church. Good morning. Good to see you. Hey, you awake? Yeah, you're not convincing me. Hey, up on your feet for a second. You need to say hi to some people around you. Would you do that? <clears throat> Make sure they are awake and ready to go. <clears throat> you guys, I can't believe it. Good to see you. Oh, good to see you. I'm telling everybody. Okay, that's enough of that. Hey, have a seat. And welcome back to our Russia team. Good to have them. Now let's see where they are. Um, Daryl Leitz uh, and Ken Bowman and Scott Arlene. Are they in here this morning? Where, where are these guys at? I see Scott and there's Ken in the back. And Daryl may be on security here this morning, too. I know they are here. They came in last evening. And Russia time is seven hours ahead of now. And these folks have put in a lot of work over the last uh, week and a half. They have really been tremendous representatives for Jesus Christ and also for East Bay Calvary Church. I'm really so proud of the work that they have done on our behalf and on behalf of the kingdom of God. So um, maybe next week we'll be able to hear a little peek into what they have done and how they've represented us over there in Russia. But uh, so good to have them with us. Good to see you guys. They're the only ones that are allowed to doze off in the service today. <clears throat> If you see them sleeping, just let them go, folks. Just let them go. Just realize they need to. But if it's anyone else, no mercy. Just um, wake those people up. <clears throat> hey, God is the greatest investor. He's the greatest investor there is. Just think about it. An investor is someone who puts in a certain amount and gets so much more back. And so from the very beginning, God has always reaped way more than what he's put in. Just, just think of creation. He put his word into creation, and from his word has come everything that we see, all of the universe, all of life, everything that there is. And then he made Adam and Eve, and he gave them this command, be fruitful and multiply. And some of us have taken that command a little more seriously than others. But from two people, our world now has over 7 billion people on it. And we also know some other investments of God. From five loaves and two fish, Jesus fed 5,000 men. And then beyond that, there were women and children, upwards to 15,000 people. And then at the end of it all, he had 12 baskets remaining. What a tremendous investment that was. At the beginning of the church, there were 12 Jewish followers. And now, 2,000 years later, we have millions of followers of Jesus Christ the globe over. And then from the death of Jesus, from the death of one, God's own son has brought life to tens of of millions of people who have genuinely put their faith in him to forgive them. And the scriptures resonate this. It says, if by many 
died by the trespass of the one man, that's Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? His investment of the gift of Jesus Christ to us has overflowed in the gift of eternal life to those who put their faith in him. And then his word has radically impacted countless of millions of people over and over. The word that we're going to open this morning, how many people has God's word changed? Over and over and over, and Isaiah 55 says it so well. It says, as the rain and the snow, which we're about to see coming up soon for northern Michigan, as it comes down from heaven... And they do not return to it without first watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Check this out. So my word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And so here's the reality. God is the best investor ever. He's the, he is the greatest investor. What God does, it grows, it flourishes, it buds, it brings forth life. And he has invested in us. And this is the big truth for today. God has invested in us. God has invested in us for his kingdom, for kingdom purposes and so I want to invite you this morning, turn to the Gospel of Matthew. It's the first Gospel in the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew in chapter 25. And we're going to talk about a kingdom investment. And then I want to finish this morning with some discussion on vision and where God can take us together as East Bay Calvary Church. God has invested in us for his kingdom. And then the big question is, today, how is that investment paying off? How is his investment paying off? Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. And this is a little larger section that we're going to read this morning, going down to verse 30. Matthew 25, 14 to verse 30. We're going to see this kingdom investment that God gives in this parable. And as I learned in my early years, it was called the parable of the talents. The parable in now the modern translation I have of the bags of gold. So here, Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 14. Now, since it's a little bit larger section that I'm going to read. We're just going to navigate through the whole thing. Can I have you stand up? This is the last time I'm going to have you stand up. Let's just stand together, and then I'll have you sit down for the remainder part of it. Starting in verse 14, check this out. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. To another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settles accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. 
I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you're a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw the, throw the worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's quite a passage, isn't it? Yeah. Let's have a seat. We'll jump into it. Now there's a key understanding as we step into Matthew 25 here. Notice in verse 14, a key to understanding this, it says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. So here's the question, what is it? What is it? Well, the answer to that is found in 25, chapter 25, verse 1. And that is, it says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went on to meet the bridegroom. So the answer to what is it, it is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. So in verse 14, it is the kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So I just want us to set the context here. I want us to be able to see what Jesus is referring to in this parable. These are kingdom of heaven investments. The kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey who gave his wealth. God isn't talking in this passage about our financial portfolio. God isn't talking in this passage about your savings account. He's not talking in this passage about social security. He's not talking in this passage about retirement. He's talking about investments into his kingdom. In investments into the kingdom of heaven. Now, if I might set the stage here, I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that the kingdom of heaven and investments into the kingdom of heaven are actually bigger than investments into retirement. I believe they are more significant than financial investments. Here's how I like to set this up. Kingdom investments means using all God gives us. Everything God gives us, using it all to multiply or bear fruit for what matters most to God. So kingdom investments means using all God gives us to multiply or bear fruit for what matters most to God. Kingdom of heaven, and this is a cool thing. 
Kingdom of heaven investments are eternal investments. Kingdom of heaven investments go beyond the here and now. Kingdom of heaven investments are people investments. And it's simply taking what God gives us. Taking everything God gives us and using whatever he gives us to grow his kingdom. So I just want to give us a few things. And then I want us to talk together about what God can continue to do here at East Bay Calvary Church together. So here's a few things. You got your East Bay Weekly. Hopefully you're looking on the back. I'm going to fill in a few blanks with you. Here we go. Number one, here's a few things I want us to see from this passage. Number one, God has invested into us. Now I'm going to give you a question. It's not a hard one. Let's see if you can answer it. When you look at the passage and you're trying to figure out, okay, who is Jesus talking about? The kingdom of heaven is like a man, the master, who went on a journey and entrusted his wealth to his servants. So I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think the master is who went on a journey? Okay. Just want to welcome you this morning. You're in church. We do have coffee in the foyer if you need to get some. There's a master who went away on a long journey and he entrusted his servants with his wealth until he comes back on a future day. That master, we would say, would be very good. It's the very answer that is 99% of the answers in Sunday school when you're a kid, okay? Jesus, very good. And that would make the servants us. So to lay this out plainly, God has invested into us. The master away for a while has invested into us, should sound pretty familiar. He's coming back one day and he's going to settle all of this out. Now some Bibles talk about talents. I just want to work through this. In, when it talks about talents, to one he gave one talent, to another two, to another five He's not talking about abilities there, like I have the talent of singing or playing an instrument or dancing or something like that. He's not talking about abilities. Those were actually units of weight. And so he's really talking about, um, specifically in this was a very valuable amount of money in this situation. There was something extremely valuable that he gave them. And a talent in this situation or the amount of money typically that was given, one talent or the unit of measurement was upwards to 20 years of a day laborer's wage. So this wasn't piddly. And that was a day labor. So I'm just thinking... If we're talking about it here, it would be a very blue-collar situation in that day. So let's just liken it unto, say, a fast food person today. And you drive by, you see McDonald's, and it says, making up to $11 an hour. So we just figured all of this out. Over 20 years, that person would make $500,000. That's one talent that he gave an individual. Now, how would you feel if the master gave you $500,000? All of a sudden, you're waking up in church this morning, aren't you? 
To one he gave 500,000. To another he gave a million dollars. And to another he gave 2.5 million dollars. This wasn't chump change, folks. He divvied a lot out to them. This is quite an investment he put in their lap. And when he gave it to them, <laughs> this was an outstanding entrustment. Now, just to put this into perspective, God has invested into us. And I'm sure you're saying, man, I wish I had $500,000 right now. And obviously the purpose of this isn't all about money. This is about kingdom investments. And if we just want to back up and look at the wide-angle lens, folks, let's just think about this together. How has God invested into us? Just think about everything that he has poured into our lives as kingdom investments. And I'm just going to give you some. God has invested into us. He has given us the best gift of all. Number one, he has given us the gift of Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, I'm not sure what money value anyone could think about, but there is absolutely when we die and we stand before God, there's no price you could ever put on the fact that you are forgiven and you can stand before God as his child and accepted before him. He's given us his word. He's given us family. I'm just going to rattle off a whole bunch of stuff. He has given us abilities. He's given us his Holy Spirit in our lives. He's given us our experiences. He's given us transformation. There are people here, as we've seen on the screen this morning, even that have been released from shackles of addictions and challenges. He's given us understanding and knowledge of him. He's given us unlimited resources. God has, he has invested into us in extraordinary ways beyond what we could ever imagine if we really looked at all God gave us. And even in our monetary amounts, even in the money we have, in the car we have, in the home we have, in everything we have, even in our children or our grandchildren, in everything we have, God has richly invested into us. We are a very rich people. Amen? It's true. Here's number two. God has invested into us for a purpose, and here's what it is. God has invested into us for a kingdom return. Now I know there's different amounts. And here in the text it says one had $500,000, one had a million, one had two and a half. I know that there's different amounts according to different abilities. But here's the deal. Although different amounts and different abilities all had the same purpose God gave them the master gave them these all with the same purpose and the same purpose was he expected a return he was going to be gone for a while he expected I'm going to get a return on this investment now potentially you have money with an investment broker and as you hand this individual this money, your idea is, when I come back, I'm expecting that this is growing. And that's the same thing that God has. I am giving all of these resources 
to these individuals, and I am expecting that this is going to grow. And we understand that because in verse 14, it mentions he entrusted this to them. It was a trust. It was supposed to grow. It was a sacred trust with a specific purpose. It was not a gift. And then we also know later on it mentions he came back to settle accounts in verse 19. This was your accounting statement. This was, okay, let's figure it out. This is what I gave you. Now what's the return on it? That's exactly what this was in verse 19. And so two servants came in. One had a million, one had 2.5 million. The one with a million came in, or one with 2.5, said, here you go, man. <laughs> I can't believe it. Gave me two and a half million. We doubled it. We doubled this. Here's five million. We went from the five talents to ten, or from the five bags of gold to the ten, from two and a half million dollars to five million dollars. This is incredible. And the master looked at it and said, you are good. You are faithful. You come on in, man. I want you to join in my celebration. And then the guy with, as we learn, with the two talents or the million dollars, he said, Master, I, I took the million and now there's two, here you go. And the master said, you're good and you're faithful, come on in. I want you to join in the celebration. And, and you know, this is so much bigger. When I heard this as a kid, I memorized this in, in the translation, and, and it was enter into the joy of thy Lord. And it just didn't seem joyful. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. If you took two and a half million and you made five million, here you go. And he said, I want you to come in because we are going to celebrate. God wants us to celebrate with him. We learned last week, God is a celebrating God. God celebrates. God wants us to enjoy the things that he enjoys. And so here we go. The one with five, the one with two, both doubled and they celebrated with the master. God has invested with us for a kingdom return. And then there was the one with one. And the servant with one. This was different. Because he didn't lose it. You realize that? He didn't lose it. He, he came back and he said, here you go. I, I, I didn't grow it, but I didn't lose it. I was safe. It was secure. I didn't have a problem Every bit of it is there. Here's your 500,000. I was just safe with it. Notice there was a response of the master with all of this. Verse 26, instead of good and faithful, it's wicked and lazy. And I know that that may sound harsh. Can I just be plain with us this morning? Here's why the master said wicked and lazy. He didn't give it to the man for no reason. He gave it to the man with a purpose. And there was a long period of time for him to do something. And with this riskless 
no-growth thing. The master was upset. Here was this whole time, and you did nothing with it. And although you didn't lose the money, you lost the opportunity. The money was mine, and the opportunity was there, and nothing was made of it. You didn't lose the money, but you lost the mission why I gave it. You lost the purpose for why I gave it. And you lost the opportunity for why it was there in the first place. You lost the perspective that it wasn't your money to begin with. It was mine, and I wanted it to grow. And here's the big question. Why didn't he risk? Here's number three. Why didn't he risk? And the text is pretty plain. Look at verse 25. Verse 25. You see why he didn't risk? He was afraid. And he was afraid of the master. He's afraid the master would be upset if he didn't do well. And so the reality is number three, <clears throat> although God has invested into us, he's invested in us for kingdom return, fear keeps us from taking risks for a kingdom growth. And this is just the truth of it all. Fear keeps us from taking risks for a kingdom growth. There's a wrong view of God here. The servant thought the master would be ticked if he took a risk and didn't succeed. In the end, you see it? In the end, the master was actually upset that he didn't take a risk. He was upset that he didn't try something. And it didn't console the master to receive all of his money back just the way that he left it. I want to read for you. This same passage, this section in The Message, which is um, a paraphrase written by Eugene Peterson. Listen how this goes. It says, the servant given the one bag of gold said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways and that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. And so I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and secured your money. So here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. Now catch this. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why do you live less than the least? The least you could have done was to invest the sum with the banker's where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the bag of gold, give it to the one who risked the most. Catch this last phrase. Get rid of the play it's safe who won't go out on a limb and throw him into utter darkness. I want to give you a couple takeaways. Then we're going to talk about some vision. A couple takeaways. Here's number one. We can fear a number of things, but I want us to be concerned or fear unfruitfulness. Fear unfruitfulness and fear not taking any kingdom risks. Fear unfruitfulness and fear not taking any kingdom risks. Unfruitfulness should make us uneasy. Something isn't yielding a kingdom return, we should get concerned. Stagnancy should make us uneasy. If something isn't growing, if something isn't yielding fruit for the master, 
that should begin to make us a little bit nervous. Now, I know that taking risks can make us nervous. Taking risks make me nervous. I remember my first mortgage that I signed. My wife and I were in our first year of marriage and we bought a home and it was for $55,000. And right now people buy cars for more than that. And up till this point, the only document that I had signed was my marriage license as far as a legal binding document. And I signed my marriage license. It was one page. And I, it was like till death do you part. It was one page. It was Lisa and I and the town clerk. Boom. Done. <clears throat> and here's our mortgage for $55,000. It was like 40 pages. And there were two lawyers there. And I'm telling you, I was shaking. I was so nervous, and they're telling me, and if you don't pay, we're going to come after you, and we're going to take everything you have. And, and I could feel it, man. I'm like, oh, my. And I had to swallow hard. This was a risk. I know risk is not easy. And six years later, we sold the same home for $85,000. I was like, woo, what a great risk that was. That was great. And then we bought another home for 150 and I was nervous again. Taking risks makes us nervous. But you know what God wants us to be concerned about? Is unfruitfulness. Realize in the passage, he's not saying, so I want you to be concerned about the risk. He's saying, I want you to be concerned about unfruitfulness. I want you to be concerned about not multiplying. In fact, it looks like God wants us to be concerned if no one's concerned. <clears throat> so the reality is it looks like God wants us to try and we talked about this in our small group this morning and I've even thought about it I wish there was another passage that showed us what about the man who tried and failed how does God feel about that and we don't have that passage here. But personally, I would love for us to have a culture that it's okay to try and fail. Because we're all human and the greatest failure is never trying and for this to be a place of grace and allowing us to give it a shot to think through it as best as possible to allow for failure I even know of a church staff that they give out an award at the end of the year for the biggest failure and they're serious with it because that person risked the most even though it didn't work out and they don't want to punish someone for risking. Some people feel fear failure or they fear imperfection. I love this one verse in Ecclesiastes 11, 4. It says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. Think about it. Especially in northern Michigan. It says, if they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. It's just not perfect, I know. Just will you plant? I don't know, the weather may not be right, I know. Will you harvest? Because you never will. It'll never be perfect. Just go. Just do it. 
Leave the rest to God. Fear unfruitfulness. Fear not taking a risk. Imagine celebrating with God. Imagine celebrating with God. I love the fact that it's not guilt that's driving the first two servants. It's celebrating with their master. Come celebrate in I'm happiness. Being a part of what makes God happy is what should drive us and move us forward. And I've got so much more, but let me give you a few things. In fact, I'm really going to um, <clears throat> mess up your notes, and I'm going to mess you up back there um, on the screen. I want to jump to the end. You got your notes right there. Um, here's my passion. Apart from the notes, here's my passion, folks. My passion's not for a program. My passion's not for if we just do this, everything will be different here. My passion's for a kingdom culture. For us to see that God has given us so much as people, as individuals, and for us to take everything that he's given us and for us to invest them in our world for a kingdom return. Amen. That's what it is. Everywhere. And not just here. Like, let's just do it at church. No, 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 no. The reality is, <clears throat> the best program we do, really, think about it, the best program we do is when we all leave here. You ever think about it? When we all leave here, 500 people touch how many people all week long? We touch thousands and thousands and thousands of people all week long. That's our best program for being Jesus all week. We don't have a program that we do here that touches that many people. To be Jesus with everything he's given us, to invest that in our community, our homes, to use our homes, our kids, our marriages, our experiences, our money, our cars, our lives, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, to use everything that we have to invest for kingdom. I'll tell you an example. I was, um, took my wife on a date the other day for Big B because pumpkin spice latte is out. Amen? Yes. And we went through the drive-thru and there was this gal and every opportunity, folks, every person we come in contact with, we try to look at as this is God's touch for us now. That's not just the big B girl. That's God's girl for us now. And so we're talking to her, and, and as we're just sitting there um, in the, in the drive through line, she says... Um, you know, we, we're asking about where she lives and what's going on. So she says, um, well, I'm up here for a fresh start. And instantly, like, my intent is like, bing, fresh start. <laughs> like, you know. And, and, uh, and so I'm like, everyone needs a fresh start, huh? You know, and, and we get this conversation going. And, um, and, and we ended up just, just leaving a little touch. And we drove away. My wife says, Okay, Tiger, you can't do it all at once, you know. And so we know we're coming back to Big B. We're coming back to Big B. We want to connect with that gal. 
who's getting a fresh start. She's ours, so stay away from Big B. She's ours. <laughs> I have to tell you, I went through, I picked up uh, another pumpkin spice latte yesterday for my wife, and I drove through the line, and uh, I said, I said in, the, in the line, I said, um, uh, I'd like to get a pumpkin spice latte for my lovely wife, you know, and I hear the lady, ooh, that's nice, you know, and, and I said, and let's get a second one for her hot husband, you know, and, <laughs> and the lady laughed, and, and so I pull around to the window, and there were like seven people looking through the window, <laughs> and the second I pull up, they all turn and just walk. <laughs> But it's, gang, it's taking, it's a culture. It's taking everything God gives us everywhere we are and intentionally being on mission for God. Because a day is coming when the master settles accounts and he looks at everything he's given us and he wants to see how we've invested it for a kingdom return. How have we invested what he's given us for a kingdom return? So you know what? Um, I... I this is the one that will stretch us the most. The one that will stretch us the most is invest personally for kingdom growth. But this is the one that is the most significant for us. And you're saying, Pastor, this isn't a program. I know. Because I believe the best resource we have, this isn't a slogan, folks. I believe it with all my heart. You are the best program that we have you are the best resource god has given our church besides his word and his spirit it's you you are our weekly touch to thousands and thousands of people You are the weekly touch not only to people who need Jesus, but to people who have him and need to grow. The more and the better. You are God's program to change the world, and he has invested in all of us. And so <clears throat> we need to be very intentional, and it is my passion in this vision. This is critical. This is primary and I want to, through our talks on Sunday morning, to talk about this, to remind us, number two, through statements, through goals, and through stories that we need to personally invest for God's kingdom growth. And then three, in our small groups, I want this to be a part of our priority in small groups. That we're going to hold each other close to invest personally for kingdom growth. That we're all going to be on mission. That we're all going to make this a priority. That it's not just about us or what we like. But God has given to us to invest for growth. We are not going to be satisfied with unfruitfulness, with static, and with stagnancy. But we want, when the master comes back, to say, you'll never believe this. We doubled it. Here you go. And he says, good and faithful. Good and faithful. Let's celebrate. Let's do this. That's the culture. And it needs to start out there. It needs to start in our homes, in our lives, in our communities.
And then we bring that in here. And here's um, some things that I've been thinking about. When we do that out there, then my passion is we bring that in here. That will stretch us the most. If we can't do that, then I don't know that what we do in here will matter much. I'm just being honest. It needs to be a pervasive culture in all of us. But if we can be that, that can be our DNA, then here's some things I want to do here. I want us to team up. So first we invest personally, then we team up together for some things. And this atmosphere that we are doing personally where we show love and we connect with people relationally and we touch them with who, what Jesus has done in our lives, whether uh, those who need Jesus or those who need to grow in Jesus, then we team up personally here and there are some areas that we need to develop much better. And some of these things are <clears throat> areas where we want to make more and truthfully I want to extend our love here all the way out to the edge of the road And I want to be able to communicate an expectation and a love to everyone that comes all the way out there with welcoming people, with parking assistance, with greeting and relationship teams, and with runners, with people who will help our elderly in, especially in the winter snow, which is coming and we all know, friends, nothing says I love you quite like coffee. We want to communicate love to everyone that comes because people that come need to understand it, whether they have been with Jesus for 50 years or they're just getting to know him right now or they don't know him at all. We need to communicate love to kids to a greater way. We have started in this 10:30 hour our coastal kids ministry. And we also have twos and threes and fours and fives. This hour we connect with the most number of kids. And we need to invest more in this hour. We are running a skeletal team. And nothing says I love you quite like investing in someone's child. And I'm saying this from personal experience. I really appreciate those who have invested in my kids here. I'm going to be coming back in a month. And we're going to be asking for about 45 workers to help with our host team. And I'm going to need 25 workers to help with our kids' ministry in this hour. It's going to be a big deal. But it's going, to, it's going to communicate something significant. I'm going to run through a couple other things. We need to celebrate life change together. These are things about better. We need to grow our church family interdependence. And here's some things that we're going to continue to really develop even more um, and engage elder ministry with our church family. They, we want them to be more visible. We have some great elders. And we really feel they would be a tremendous asset to be more visible and accessible for our church family. And our small group ministry is growing. We have a much greater intention for congregational interdependence with them. I believe small group ministry is the second most important thing we do here. Where we are in each other's lives and where everyone is the church to each other. Another thing that we are going to be pumping, and we're going to do a test run on November 24th, we need to resurrect a prayer gathering for our church family. 
and we're going to do a one worship night of worship on november 24th and it will be all celebration worship singing and prayer here on sunday evening november 24th and you'll hear more about it and then also we want to equip people throughout the week with more useful content we want to resource people for sufficiency and independence with bible reading schedules devotionals bible memes podcasts emails videos articles you name it we want people to be fortified through the week in many of those ways rather than you have to come and the main way you get it is only Sunday morning. You'll still get Sunday morning, but we want you to be fortified throughout the week in your spiritual development to have things accessible to you. And these are ways we're going to be developing things in 2020. Now let me just scare you, and then we'll finish up. This is not now. But if I am one thing, I am honest and open. God continues to grow our church. We are within 80, we're within 80 to 100 adults from needing a two-service model here. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Growth is a good thing. That is not right now. We may be a year away from that. We may be a little more away from that. We may be a little, way, a little less away from that. It depends upon how well we take on this missional concept in our lives and how God blesses. Typically, when we are about 75% capacity in here or in parking, we need to start thinking about two services in here. I know some people say, oh, no. But I like knowing everyone in here. Do you really know everyone in here? I mean, the balcony, that's why they sit up there. They don't want to know everyone in here. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> that's something we have to think through at a certain growth point. Growing pains are good pains. And when we go to two services, I'm being open with you. When we do two services, then that requires that we are going to have to prayerfully think through and we'll have to retool all of Sunday morning. I don't know exactly how it will go. But we'll have to think through our education model because we probably won't be able to do all of what we do on Sunday morning. We may be able to offer some classes, but we probably won't be able to offer everything that we do in the same way. So we'll need to talk to some churches who have already experienced what we will experience and, and pray about this and walk through this together prayerfully. But I believe we can do that. But here's the last thing, and this is what we will need to think about and think about sooner. That if God brings us to that growth point, it's good to think about something in advance, and this is what it is. Um, already, when you leave, we already fill that foyer pretty well. And that's a good thing. If we grow another 80 to 100 adults, And if we have a two-service model with a lot of ingress and egress through the lobby at the same time, we will probably need to think about 
a four-year expansion to open that up some. And so here's what I want you to think about as you go today. And if you go through the main doors of the foyer, it goes into an area where there's a, um, an overhang that goes out to the driveway. There's been a little bit of thought, and there's been a, an older person in our church that infected me with this idea a year ago. Um, we can actually take our foyer out under that overhang. And it wouldn't be a whole lot of money to do that and, um, and extend our foyer and make it bigger to allow for more usage in the foyer area. Um, to give a lot more opening and make it less congested. And that's something we can think about now. Because it would be good to have that done before we go to a different church model, rather than to have crisis management and then need it then. So what we would be doing is probably developing a committee and working with our deacons and talking about some of these opportunities. And then maybe in 2020, maybe starting to chip in our pennies and seeing what we can do by the end of the year to, to do something like that, if God would move us in that direction. So, that's the scary part. What I want to do right now is to leave us with the one last thing. So would you stand with me? And here's what it is. A bigger foyer doesn't grow the church. And a nicer sign doesn't grow the church. But the best program that God has to grow the church Here's what it is. When you look in a mirror, you'll see it. And it's you and it's me. God has us. He's invested in us. Folks, he's given us huge investments for a kingdom return. And that kingdom culture, that everything we do, everything we do, we can bring a return for him. We can make it work for him. We want to present to him. We want to celebrate with him. And we don't want to not do because of fear. We don't want to hold back because of fear. We don't want to be cautious and not risk anything. But maybe we can go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. And present to God and say, God, here you go. So, Father, I'm just asking beyond my words, beyond thoughts or a vision or a concept, God, that you would grow a culture God, in this place with these people, would you boil in our hearts a passion that's way beyond our preferences our desires and help us to realize that you've given us everything we have for a kingdom return. And not for our pleasure. We are not the master. But for your pleasure and your glory. 
God, we pray that you would grow us, that you would bring a yield, and that you would be pleased. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you to our worship team for um, taking charge without Pastor Jonathan up here. It's really good, good work. Thank you, guys. Thanks for your patience. A little extra time for me this morning. I, um, I really appreciate it. Next week, um, I'll just I'll do a recap, and then we're going to have some text message questions. Maybe we can get a little more specific about some things. But the biggest thing to take away God's invested in us. He wants to return. He deserves a return. We get to celebrate with him on a return. Everything we have is from him. Let's turn it into a kingdom return for his glory. Amen? A kingdom return. And it all starts not next Sunday. It all starts now as you leave. And as I go to Big B, it all starts now. God bless you. God bless your week.